Welcome to the DAS Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Gamage, SEL Consultant and Dean of Students. Here on the DASH, relationships and communication come first. That's why every week our goal is to provide social-emotional learning solutions for your school community. You can learn more about me and the DASH podcast at TreyGamers.com, where you'll find our middle and high school SEL workbook, Every Decision Counts, more about the DASH podcast, and my story through education. And if you are in need of accessible, autonomous, continued education, check out our adult SEL platform, seleducators.com, the only platform dedicated to adult social-emotional learning activities. Lastly, we want to give a big thanks to the Teach Better Podcast Network for putting together a collection of podcasts dedicated to supporting the entire school ecosystem through in-depth conversations that you care about. Thanks again for joining us. I hope you enjoyed the episode. This is The Dash. Welcome back to The Dash Podcast. I've got Mr. Eldorado Anderson with me. He is a best-selling author and a current special education teacher and case manager for the Dream Life Works LLC. He's got a vast amount of experience in charter school education as a dean of students. Um, so you know I'm excited to talk there. And I actually want to kick this off with your book, Mr. Anderson. First of all, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. And as we mentioned before we started, you've got a new book, The Gentleman in the Gray Suit, A Black Man's Tale to Save Black Boys in America. Thank you, number one, before we even start talking about it. And, and will you just introduce um, yourself and where did this book come from, sir? Uh, first of all, thanks for having me, brother. It's, it's a pleasure. I always get excited to talk to another brother about the plight that follows us as Black people, especially Black men. Uh, I am an educator. Uh, I'm from the inner city of Bridgeport, Connecticut, uh, public school educated, um, raised by a single parent in a predominantly female household. So uh, I saw, I grew up uh, seeing a lot of negative male images, uh, but thank God for my, my mom keeping me in church and keeping me in other activities. I was able to see positivity with other males and I decided to go to college at Virginia State University, graduated there in 2002, uh, and been in education ever since. Um, I've, I've always had the love for reading. And uh, in 2012, I decided to come up with uh, a book that goes against the norms like Gone with the Wind and Of Mice and Men and uh, mm. those type of stories that we always see and come up with something that I think our students would grasp and uh, really, really want to know. So I came up with the title, The Gentleman in the Gray Suit. Uh, it's pretty much um, an adventure about what happens when you put down your gun and you pick mm. up a book and mm. the, uh, the power of enlightenment. Like, you know, once you find out, you know, once you learn about one thing, you find out there's a lot, a lot more things that you don't know. Uh, and our famous quote from the book is uh, learn everything in sight or become a slave to everything you don't know. So wow. when I speak to my boys about that quote, they, you know, they, they're, they're like, yo, I think I know what you're talking about. And I say, you know, when you got people in Congress and people making laws and all this other stuff, they base it off of things that we don't know. You know what I mean? So I think the more you know, the more you're able to decipher what's going on in this world. And that's the yeah. whole premise of the book. Yeah, I, man, I love that. So tell me, tell me, who who is the book for? Because it sounds similar, um, maybe not so much similar, but but 
where you're going from the idea of trying to reach our, our young black men and our, our young black women and giving a story that really depicts us. So um, I think you saw, I shared the screen so so the folks that are watching the video right. as well. So if, if for those that watch The Matrix, it's pretty much like The Matrix. Mm. It's like, it's like you know, you, yeah, it's, it's like the black, like the black hip hop urban fantasy version of the, of the Matrix where wow. the one, the main one to save everybody is this young black male. He's, mm. he's in charge of saving all of us, all the black men because because wow. based on all the killings in Chicago and in St. Louis and Houston, we're going to be extinct in like 30 years because we keep on killing each other off. So um, it's this secret society called the Guild, right? So the Guild was formulated the, the, second, the day after the Tulsa race riots uh, of uh, Black Wall Street in wow. 1921. So they located it to a secret reserve. And for the last 100 years, They've been in hiding because the government, the government knows of this special group of black people. Wow. And they know that once that once the guild finds this one person, that he, they're gonna give him all the things he needs to save all of us. So in one day, just imagine one day, just imagine tomorrow, you turn on the news and there's not one killing of one black male to another mm. black male. And then all of a sudden, all you see pictures of black men at the library getting library cards and trading wow. in their guns. You know how crazy this world would be? Or especially that makes me happy just thinking about it. Yeah, so that's the whole point. I mean, this is just part one of three, and I'm mm. working on the second one. Um, the okay. second one kind of goes in depth of what the guild is and how special it is and how you can be a part of the guild and nobody even know that you're a part of it. You know wow. what I'm saying? Wow. So that's the wow. fun part. It's an enlightening part. It's something to be proud of. Uh, you know, you see people in fraternities, Masons, Eastern Stars, nothing against mm. them, but this particular organization, they kind of supersede all that. Got They're it. more focused on everything intelligent, everything nutritional, everything spiritual, everything all in one, mm. and it's to save the entire black race. That that is amazing. That is amazing. I uh, so so this is a fictional book. It's a fictional book. Man, I think that's dope. That I, but, but if you read it, you you see a lot of nonfiction stuff in there. I mean, I mean that so. I mean, just the concept of, I, I don't, you know, again, for those that are not watching, but listening, I was smiling the whole time because that that is a dope concept, you know, and, and I was right. thinking it was going to be um, more of a memoir type thing of your own experience. And I'm sure it could still have some of that in there. But but I, I after the Tulsa race riots, they created this guild and black folks went underground and come back and save the world. That is a right. superhero story, my brother. We, That's what I'm talking about. We got the three-part series. Go ahead and start writing the, the movie script as well. That, that okay. I've already, I've already. It's funny because I just wrote the short film, mm. and we started shooting for that in two months, and back mm. in Connecticut. Yo, so okay, let, let's dig in here. I, I, there's so much I want to get into, and, and perhaps we can talk about. How, maybe we'll make that connection of how um, your education experience jumps in. But why? And you hit on it already getting deeper in this book. And, and who is it for? Is it high school? It's for uh, the Lexile level is anything anywhere between fifth grade and high school. So really? any, between the ages of 10 all the way up to high school. Mm. But I, I wrote it particularly because the school where I'm at, most of our young men are on a third grade, fourth grade reading level and they're 16 and 17. So mm -hmm. I wanted to make sure they, they could read this with confidence, there but is. also feel that it was about them too. Yeah. I mean, it's an inspiring. It was definitely a strategy behind writing it. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, right. so you and I, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and, and bridge that gap for us. We share. Um, this is my first year as a dean of students at a K twelve charter. I see that you've been a dean of students for right. a long time, and and I know that the role is unique right. in different schools. But the kind where we are making the student experience better that that's the gist of the role through your experience as a Dean of Students, as a special education teacher, how did that shape the need for this book? And like, was there any, what, what influences from your classroom experience show up in this book? So I, I'm pretty sure as a, a fellow Dean of Students, uh, maybe 70% of your time is spent either going into a classroom <laughs> to remove a student or uh, you know, you're in a hallway, making sure the hallway transitions are good, or you're in a cafeteria doing cafeteria duty, or you're talking to a parent about why uh, her, she feels that a teacher doesn't like her son or her daughter. Mm. So most of my time as a dean of students, I was putting out fires every yeah. day. Same student, same scenario. So-and-so teacher can't teach, or so-and-so teacher picking on me or the teacher doesn't have classroom management and we got to go in there and got to, we got to be a statue at 18 different places, but there's only one, there's <laughs> only one of us. So that's, that's something I got tired of doing. And I said, you know what, let me, number one, let me go back in the classroom so I can prevent these fires. And then once I got into the classroom, I really got a, a microscopic look at why our students are struggling so bad. Number one, mm -hmm they're reading at a level where they're embarrassed to let other people know they, they can't read. Some, some kids can't, they can't spell cat, they can't spell whatever. I saw a quote right. on LinkedIn yesterday, I think I shared it. It says, there's no comprehension strategy that's going to help a student who can't spell out a word. And I was like, wow, that is the deepest quote I've heard when it comes to comprehension mm. that I've ever seen. And if you notice, most of our kids, they don't really behave, their behavior isn't really that bad in math class. Their behavior is really when they have to come to read. If I don't know if you noticed that, but I That's really noticed that. That's a good point. They don't. Math is a universal language, so we're not that bad in math. It's like when it comes to those big directions and words. That's a little issue, but when it comes to reading and things that we don't seeing, like to read, distracted. Yeah. You start seeing them. That's what I'm saying. They lean back, and no matter what kind of, no matter what kind of verbal, nonverbal redirection, you can't get the student to do. Them. Everybody in class will be doing the work, but there's three kids. Right that struggle to read, and, and those are the kids that you have the most behavior problems with. Right, Man. but then put them in a math class, mm. and you see and it's all good. Things. You know what I'm saying? The number's a little different. Yeah. But Everybody I was one of those kids. Like my, my, when I took the Praxis test, I passed the math part, and I'm even not a math, I'm, a, I'm not a math guy, but because I'm an entrepreneur and I do business and I handle money a lot, I kind of I read through it. Mm -hmm. When you're reading, you're when you're reading a euro a eurocentric type text that you have to be tested on, the brain don't work the same. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, and I think that's the kicker there too. You, the eurocentric type test. When right. I when I read the gentleman in the gray suit and I see four black men on the cover, I can relate to that. Right. I, I, I even I've, I've been thinking more about even <clears throat> our educational language and how right. proper or formal it is. And, and right. I agree that there are times to be formal and to be proper. But when I'm, when I am speaking to my, I had a student council meeting today. The, and, and the whole idea for, and we expanded student government to give students more opportunity for voice and engagement during COVID. So we expanded it from four or five students to, to 15 students. And 
the fun, they're so excited to come to these little meetings and talk about their presentations and stuff like that. And it's because we give them that opportunity to share their voice and, and we get to talk with it. So when you're creating a book that that shares our language and speaks in our vernacular, uh, I forgot what they call it, urban urban vernacular. Yeah. Or, or, yeah, I, I, yeah, we, we've exactly. got a language. We've got our a language. Our code switching, our, yeah, our ebonics, whatever you want to call it. Whatever it is, when you there's not enough text in our language. So you know what's crazy? So this lady, I was, you know, I just like we met on LinkedIn and I sent out uh what I try to do is connect with all the principals and all these superintendents. Like, listen, I got a book that I think is really gonna reach our kids. Mm -hmm. So I sent this lady a copy of it and she responded, so you know, I read your book, but in the introduction, I noticed a lot of grammatical errors. And I told her, I said, Well, I don't know if you realize this, but it's aimed like the language that I'm speaking is like what the kids hear when they're walking down the street. I'm not trying to be proper because if I give you a proper version of this book, you're not going to catch on. No. And my thing was, wow, like we as a people are so brainwashed that we can't understand when we're code switching and where we're not. Mm. And it really, really, it really, really, it really like, wow, are we, are we that far behind as a people that we can't see what we, what each other are doing? You know what I mean? So, so I'll say this as well during when when George Floyd died, right. a lot of companies started having more conversations about race. And, you know, there, there are a lot of people that don't know, a lot of white people that don't know what code switching is, that they don't know that that's a term. And I think even because, and I like this term too, minoritized, we're not minorities, we've been minoritized. We are the majority right. in the world, but we're not treated as such. Um, I forgot what I was going to say. Because I'm too excited. You were talking about you were talking about um, George Floyd. George Floyd. Okay, so at the George Floyd time, when the oh, there we go. When the when the marches happened, companies started um, having more of these conversations with their employees about race, about codes. I know my wife. They had conversations about hair texture. They had conversations about code switching. But that's the thing for us. We're so used to even being viewed as older. You know, as a 27 right. or 30 year old, you, you have to go into rooms with 45 and 50 year olds on the same level. That's not something I think about. That's just how we Correct. live our life. But just whatever situation, we understand how to adapt to it. My, my and I'm gonna I'm stop here for a minute. My director pointed out, at least in South Carolina, is black women that have the most high stress positions in the education department because they can handle it because they're adaptable, because they're resilient, because we can take these things and have to adapt to all these different codes in order to fit in, where, whereas our counterparts don't have to think about fitting in because they're the standard. Right. Where, where, does, um, where does a book like this fit in within your teacher support framework or your student support framework rather for as a dean of student? Well, when I... Um... Well, when I came out with the book, the two organizations brought it for their curriculum. So one organization, one organization is an academy who holds um, this, like, say, say you're 16 and you commit a crime, but you can't mm. be tried as an adult. This academy, you are allowed to go to school there until you turn 18. And once you turn 18, you have to go to the local gotcha. prison or whatever. So they took it and they took it. And I also have a workbook with this book that comes along with that vocabulary, um, you know, theme, main idea, stuff that they get tested on anyway. Mm -hmm. But anyway, they said in three weeks, in three weeks, based on 
their, um, their testing, a lot of the students' vocabulary improved. Uh, and as far as their, their, uh, their enthusiasm about reading, they were more inclined, because there's books mentioned in the book that we talk about that influenced me. The, the, the teacher told me that one of her students asked her, can we order this book? So for that light to go on, I don't care if it's just one kid, for the light to go on, say, so you know what? This, this book got me so intrigued that I'm gonna read what he read. Mm. I wanna order it. When she told me that, it, 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 no, amount of, no amount of money can make me feel as happy as I did when I heard that. Yeah. But that means now they're starting to see, they're starting to get confidence. Yeah. And this is somebody that's about to go to jail for a couple more years. So yeah. with that, you got that part, and then you also have the um, where I'm at now because I'm a special ed teacher. There are certain texts that basically our students just they just they they're just not ready to read the Romeo and Juliet's and the, of Mice and Men and you know Gone with the Wind. They're not re really equipped to read that because mm -hmm. as soon as they read that one page, they're done. They're fried. They can't go on. But when you read the first page in my book, and it's talking about uh, Duda rapping about you know, using the deuce deuce in front of the corner store, smoking a, a blunt, smoking some weed. It's like, oh, wait a minute, what is this? Like, what, what book mm. is this? And then all of a sudden you capture them. And then as they read, that's when they starting to see that the, the, the language changes, the, the responsibility changes, the enthusiasm yeah. changes, and they're already captured. So yeah. um, like I said, it's, it's a book like no other. It's, not, it's like a black Harry Potter, but more- <laughs> You got some great references, man. Urban. Black Harry you Potter, know what I'm saying? Matrix, I love it. I love it. Yeah. I, I um. So when when you think about it, so I'm. So you could use this book for direct instruction, like a book study with the classroom. Correct. And it, it would be what, like a three week book study? How how, how long or like? Well, the book is 189 pages, so it's really if if you read it, what nonstop? It's about two hours and 40 minutes. So you can do that. But in you about three weeks if you break it up. If you break it up like 30 minutes a day and then you do the guided reading, you could do it. I, I tell people it's about a month for our, our seventh, eighth grade kids, Got it. but it's definitely worth the unit. The unit is usually six weeks. So it's definitely worth the unit. Yeah. You could do role play. You could do dress up. Like you mm -hmm. can have kids come to school, dress up in gray and, you know, give them that power. That, like they're, they're part of the guild yeah. and they come up with their own guild and okay. they talk about brotherhood, wow. what that means to be in brotherhood. That's you kind of do a training program because it talks about you know, uh, it talks about eating nutritiously and, 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 and being spiritually connected. And it's just, it's a lot. It's just something different that our kids aren't, they're not preached to. It's like, here, here's this nugget. If you want it, you can go get it. You know what I mean? Mm, I love that. I, I'm, I, that. This makes me really happy. This makes me really happy. So the workbook breaks down the other components of the book. Yep. Take me, where, where are the next two versions going? You said the next one is... What, what's happening there? Oh, it's, you said it's going deep. So the, the next version, so at the end of the first book, it's that day I'm talking about, the day where there's no homicides in the United States of America. Like, and you, you, you see the scene of the cops, like, yo, where's everybody at? They're writing mm -hmm. down all the most notorious streets in Chicago, in Columbia, South Carolina, wherever it is. And they're, they're saying like, yo, there's no, Black boys, there's no, there's no boys out here. There's no Latino boys out here. Ain't no black boys out here. We ain't responding to no gunshots. Like what is going on? And then they ride and they see that there's a line out the door at the local library full of these black boys that used to be on a the corner. They're mm -hmm. going to get their library card. So you see that it's like, yo, something's going on. So that's when like the, I call it the, um, 
the World Intelligence Organization, like, you know, that's a different name for it. Yeah. That's when they're like, okay, something's up, something's up. So this part of the story, the second book talks about what this, uh, this, this uh, organization is going to try to do to infiltrate the guild and, you know, what the guild has done over the last hundred years to protect themselves mm. from this type of infiltration. And it talks about the strategies, the mind games, uh, what it's like. And in the last book talks about the power of the black man and the black woman together once they go through the, the guild training and learning how, what it, what it looks like to be, you know, a respectful man when it comes to a woman, what it, look, what it looks like to be a vulnerable, emotional man. We talk about how, you know, men aren't allowed, black men aren't allowed to be emotionally vulnerable because they, you know, we, they, people frown upon that. Mm -hmm. But at the guild, you're trained to learn how oh. to express yourself. And it's just, it's just real different. You know what I'm saying? It's real different, but it makes you proud to be a black person. That, that makes me, that makes me proud just talking about it. You know, just, just hearing about it. I'm, I, yeah, that, that makes me happy. Um, and I think it's a great, story as well. <clears throat> I I hear people talk about how we end up having the same story for Black people told over and over and over again. There's more than a slave story. There's more than, than Django. Right. There's more than, I, I don't even know what else. And, and so that's what it is. This is a completely different narrative. Yeah. This is like, this is like proactive. This is like, when you read this book, you see what you should be doing to prevent uh, James Blake or uh, mm. uh, um, Mm -hmm. It's almost like if you saw Lord of the Rings Part Three, when the people. Okay, so I, I'm not gonna spoil it, but it's it's something like whoever saw Lord of the Rings Part Three, when all the people who died trying to uh, protect, I guess, the land, they yeah. come back and they they help win the war. Mm -hmm. Part Three is gonna be something like that, and it's gonna be crazy, mm -hmm. something that you never mm -hmm. expected, and hopefully, like you know, God willing, it's gonna be a movie. Yeah. Uh, a movie like no other and uh you know i'm excited like when i do this when i do this it makes me like get real excited it's like i gotta finish that book yeah i mean i could i could tell i need the whole series the, the autograph signed edition man the whole kid and caboodle so i, I think that's i yeah. think that's dope man I, I think that's dope do you have a timeline of expectations i know books are tricky you know no no rush so i'm so i'm trying to so the 100th anniversary of uh, the Tulsa race riots is May 31st, 2021, which is, mm. which, which is their four months. Wow. So I plan on dropping the second one on that day okay. to commemorate the people and the lives that was lost on that day. And then the third one, I'm probably going to release uh, in December of, two, of this year. That's mm. the goal. So you're going to finish them off, finish off the whole trilogy in the three. Okay. The okay. Then, then you've got the series, and that series becomes more of a semester-long book study, um, or correct or long curriculum. Correct. Uh, understood. Correct. Or if it like it's like a Netflix series, or a Showtime mm. series, or HBO series, yeah. something like Amazon. You know, I'm definitely I'm that. Those are the platforms that I'm definitely trying to get it on. I, I like that. I like that. And you, so I, I see the entrepreneurial spirit, the entrepreneurial spirit. You've got the you've got the whole shebang. Where can the people go to find your book? Oh, uh, if you want, if they want like a personal copy, because on Amazon it's a little bit more expensive. If they want a personal copy, which is a little cheaper, uh, they just email me. Um, uh, my 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 email is eldorado eight fourteen seventy nine at gmail .com. Or if they want just to, if they want to read the audio, not the audio, they want to read the um, Kindle version. 
uh, they can go to Amazon.com and just put in a gentleman in a gray suit and it'll come up and they can download it on their phones or their tablets. But if they want a personal copy, uh, they can reach out to me via email. And where can we find you on social media? I know we're on LinkedIn, Eldorado Anderson. We're on LinkedIn. So yeah, Eldorado Anderson on Facebook, Eldorado underscore Anderson on uh, Instagram. Also the gentleman in the gray suit on Instagram and also the gentleman in the gray suit on Facebook. So if you put any of those in, uh, you'll see I'll come up. There we go. There we go. You got any final words for us, Eldorado? I'm, I'm excited. I need to come order my book, you know, look at these classroom sets and, and get things rolling. Anything else you want to leave us with tonight? Man, just, uh, just, I appreciate the support and just know, like, just based on what I've been dealing with, a lot of a lot of our people, we just don't like to read. We just like to get information and keep it moving. But I'm telling you, the power of reading is powerful. If you don't read this book, read any of the books from uh, Dr. Francis Cress Welsing, Dr. Layla Africa, Dr. Jawanza Kanjufu, any of those people. And when you read those books, even Dr. Umar Johnson, you read those books and you will be enlightened to see what's really going on behind this curtain. Like what happened at the Capitol is just a microcosm about how people really feel in this country. Mm-hmm. And it just, it just, it boiled over last Wednesday. But don't mistake that these people don't really feel that way when they see us out in public. So yeah. that's all I wanted to say, brother. Understood. And thank you for having me on. Well, my, my pleasure. And I think the timing of this is, is very good. I had started a solo series where it was just me and I was super focused on SEL. But after the riots, um, you know, uh, whenever that was last week, a couple of weeks ago, you know, I wanted to, to make a pivot. And so, you know, our, our connection was appropriate to, to highlight um, the penmanship, you know, and, and we had uh, someone on for episode 181 that was, uh, she was a diversity, equity, inclusion school leader. Um, the 182 will be the Center for Citizenship, uh, some folks in, in Medford, Connecticut. And, and so to talk about uh, the gentleman in the gray suit, I think has been a good pivot before we get back to um, some of those solo episodes of serving the students. So I certainly appreciate you. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you like it, share it, go reach out to El Dorado on social media. We'll make sure his uh, email is in the link. And don't forget to visit seleducators.com. We just finished a live emotional intelligence program, a live session, and we'll continue to have different courses come out. Stay tuned for the adult SEL program. Thank you very much. This is The Dash.